just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today I am chatting to Rosie Wilson where she shares her story of living with a diagnosis of celiac disease and multiple sclerosis. In this episode Rosie takes us through that moment when celiac disease entered her life as well as the important questions like what her final meal would be if suddenly the world ended in the next five minutes and then we get to the big one. When she started experiencing symptoms of MS, the four-day hospital stay that resulted in the diagnosis, her treatment plan, what she has had to change and the pressure that comes with being a teacher. Rosie brings a really unique perspective to this episode as she hasn't actually been living with this MS diagnosis for a very long time and is still coming to terms with it herself. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Rosie, welcome to That's So Chronic. Thank you so much for being here. Hi Jess, thank you for having me. We're halfway around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the power of the internet. Now you are a teacher, obviously based in the UK, like we just said, and I wanted to start by just taking my metaphorical hat off and just saying, I just think you're amazing. I Honestly, I could never be a teacher, so oh. I just think every teacher you included are absolutely incredible so well done thank you thank you (laughs) but you also really love reading and your favorite color is yellow and I remember this because my favorite color is yellow and I thought that's it Uh, we're going to be best friends love that (laughs) (laughs) but the main reason why we're here chatting today is that you are living with a diagnosis of celiac disease and more recently multiple sclerosis or MS. So I guess to start, should we go back to the beginning of your autoimmune journey, (laughs) I suppose? And when did celiac disease enter your life? So obviously I didn't even realise that was the start of the autoimmune disease journey, but um, yeah, yeah, it was a, oh, was it about? four years ago and I'd been through quite a like traumatic emotional time in my life Mm -hmm. and I like I never ever had time off work I was working in a nursery at the time and I never ever had time off like even if I had a cold I'd be like in work and I just like had a few stomach bugs which is pretty normal for a nursery but not for me and um I was like this is weird I think it was like a few in a couple of months and I and I was like I need to go and speak to the doctor about this because it's not really like me and so I I went to the doctor and they did blood tests and they're like yeah nothing nothing's wrong you've got like low b12 low iron but like I'm vegetarian so they're like just take some supplements you'll be fine and it just carried on happening and I was like this isn't normal and actually my stepmom at the time was like this isn't normal because I was like oh the doctors like trusted that they were like doing the right thing and she was like no this is not okay so kind of like went back and got them eventually had like investigations done and they said yeah it was really severe celiac disease so like 
had to just cut out gluten. And I remember going to the hospital and being like in a like a, a dietitian seminar thing and like everyone in there was like 60 70 and I was like oh my god I can never drink beer again <laughs> they don't it's fine for them yeah <laughs> yeah I it took a while luckily I'd like met my boyfriend before because otherwise like having no beer and no pizza I think would have been really hard in the first stages of our relationship yeah so like he, he'd already but like he was already committed by then so he couldn't, yeah. couldn't turn around and, like <laughs> Have you found any gluten-free beers, though? That I'm sure that's the question on a lot of people's brains right now. Do you know what? I don't actually really drink anymore. Okay. But uh, there was one that I used to drink. It was Celi- called Celia. That's quite nice. Okay. But yeah, I don't really drink anymore. So kind of got rid of that, that problem. <laughs> and when you got the diagnosis of celiac disease, how does it work in the UK? Are they able to diagnose with just a blood test? Or do you have to get like an endoscopy or something like that yeah yeah so it was like a camera in my throat Mm -hmm. which was horrendous yeah oh like the like worse than an MRI (laughs) I luckily I didn't have to have a lumbar puncture when I was diagnosed with MS but I imagine that is probably worse but um yeah because obviously you have to be awake and they're putting a camera down your throat and if I was like pinned down by a nurse but if I hadn't been i would have pulled it out yeah well it's quite (laughs) unnatural right like your Mm. instinct would kick in and be like sorry what are you doing (laughs) yeah yeah and then you could like see they had like a screen up so you could like see inside your your like stomach and oh yeah I didn't want to look at it quite squeamish about stuff like that so I was um, yeah yeah, but was not very nice so there's like allial I think they're called allials in your stomach and they're like little bumps Mm -hmm. and basically when you're celiac they get worn down so it's like all flat okay so they were like there's just like none here so wow I think it was yeah they said it was quite clear like they knew straight away um, yeah didn't have to kind of send it off for any discussions like told me there and then yeah and I thought that was like catastrophic <laughs> and now I'm like mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what was the adjustment period of suddenly having to go on this strict gluten-free diet do you know what loads of people are like do you ever just you're just like oh, I'm just gonna cheat have a cheat day and eat a pizza like and I'm like no because I know how bad yeah. it makes me feel like I've yeah. never once been tempted to just eat some gluten although I did see like Jamelia Jamil has celiac disease as well and she put on her Instagram the other day like if the world was going to end in like five minutes, I'd just go and eat a croissant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I should just have an emergency croissant there. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. I won't have to feel the pain. I can just enjoy the croissant. Oh, I love that so much. I've never thought of that, but that's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frozen. Actually, you might not have time to defrost. If the world's in flames, you know, maybe just like defrost it yeah, on defrost the fire. it on the flames. <laughs> so this diagnosis of celiac disease has entered your life Mm. how long was it then of living gluten-free until ms entered your life so it was about uh, yeah three and a half four years so okay quite a time i was totally Mm -hmm. settled with the celiac disease it's just part of my life you know i don't really like eating out because it's just really annoying and i don't like being that person that's like if you've got anything gluten-free i'd rather just have people around and have dinner at home because then yeah. I know everything is gluten-free. Yeah. So I was really settled with it. So, I, yeah, the MS just came along. Yeah, didn't feel connected at all. And mm-hmm. I didn't even really think about it until 
actually when I was so when I was in the hospital with MS well with whatever it was mm -hmm. my mum was like rigging me like could it be this could it be that and there's something called gluten atrophy I think it's called um oh. where basically your brain if you if you accidentally are eating gluten while you're celiac your brain can kind of react eventually if you're like having a little bit over a long time oh. and it can be similar symptoms to MS okay so I was like saying to the doctors maybe it's this maybe it's this yeah. but obviously they were like no we've seen your MRI <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that <laughs> yeah I think it's called that I'll have to check but interesting yeah so take us back to your diagnosis what happened for you to suddenly go mm, I need to go to the doctors and investigate a symptom so there was um the time that I mentioned to you where I was in a yoga class and it was like a really intense yoga class. The instructor was really good looking and it was really hot in there. And I was like, yeah. just suddenly got really dizzy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel really anxious. And then I had to leave the class and I was sick and I kind of like had a little talking to myself. And I was like, come on, you're fine. You're just feeling like anxious, hadn't done yoga in a while. And like tried to go back in, but was still just really dizzy. Like, you know, when you're like drunk and the room's spinning, it was like that. Yeah. And I just had to leave the class in the end. I've never been back to that studio actually. And phoned uh, 111, which in the UK is like really great service we've got. I don't know if you've got anything similar, but basically it's just like healthcare professionals that will speak to you there and then and give you advice. And they prescribed me some anti-sickness tablets and said that it was vertigo. Okay. So to take the tablets and then like get a GP appointment that week. So I did that went to the doctors they gave me these like head movements that I had to do to because they basically thought that the crystals had come out of my ears <gasps> did you have the same <laughs> that is exactly what happened to me oh my god <laughs> I've never met anybody else that has also had the crystals <laughs> that was misdiagnosed yeah. oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> that's okay, so sorry. good to hear Carry on. not just oh yeah but did you do the head movements and they made you feel even worse? I can't, I honestly because can't remember. They told me to do these movements and then I felt really weird. Like I was just kind of like, can I hear them? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had to do these movements and they just made me like feel so sick when I did them. But that only went on for like a week and then it just went away and I was like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. Gone now. So that was that. And then kind of carried on with life as normal. There's this like weird bridge in Bristol where if you walk to the shopping center, it's like tilted. And I remember walking down there with my mum. It's not, it's just like a weird like optical illusion. And I was walking with my mum and I was like, this bridge makes me feel really weird. Like I was like, I'm finding it hard to walk at the moment anyway. Cause I just had been like really conscious of how I was walking yeah. and finding it hard to stay in a straight line. I was like, this bridge is just, and I had to like hold my mum's hand. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. And she was like, yeah, that's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. It's not that bad. Um, <laughs> So that, it just was like loads of cumulative things. And then obviously being a teacher, so noisy yeah. and stressful. I'm working like 60 hours a week. I'm new to it. So I'm kind of like, is this what teaching is like? Yeah. I think there's so much online about like teacher tired, mm -hmm. like in the lead up to Christmas, like is a new level of tired. And everyone at school was like, you know ready to drop and I was like I'm just feeling what everyone else is yeah. feeling this is just how it is and it's oh it's just such a detrimental kind of mindset that we accept yeah. and I'm sure 
in other professions people do it too but you know I think like often when children tell me they've hurt their knee or something I'm like I'll put a wet paper towel on it and it's like feels like that you're just kind of covering up yeah stuff that could be really bad and you don't really have anyone checking on you when you're the teacher if you're the child with a sore knee someone will come and have a look yeah (laughs) but yeah and then so all of that was going on and um I I think I was like yeah these I was having headaches quite a lot just thought it was from the stress and so I rung to make a doctor's appointment just to sort of check it out and they were like we've got one in January this was like the beginning of December I was like great (laughs) book me in okay I'll try and remember (laughs) um forgot about it and then my my teacher my doctor got COVID so was off from the surgery had a list of people to ring that I think had appointments in January and so they gave me a ring and it was like I was at, at school it was like the end of the day and I was like oh um explain my symptoms she was like you need to come in tomorrow ah. and see someone else I'm not in because I've got COVID but come and see another another doctor so got an appointment the next day okay and went to that and I remember really clearly like sitting in the waiting room and like tapping my foot and looking at my watch and being like I don't have time for this I've got so much to do I've got this yeah. to do I've got this to do like going through it all in my head like really don't have time to be here and like be waiting for a doctor's appointment where they're just gonna say yeah you're stressed yeah I'd be like yeah no no shit yeah <laughs> um <laughs> So I was like a little bit annoyed that I was there, Um, went in, had to do loads of like coordination tests, like one where you flip your hand over um, Mm -hmm. like this. And I just remember like coming to my left hand and it just being like flopping all over the place and it just couldn't, couldn't flip. It can, I could do it now better, but it takes a lot of concentration. Mm -hmm. And like walking in a line, I looked in my eyes and asked me loads of questions and then sat me down and was like, I don't want to scare you, but I'm going to urgently refer you to the hospital for an MRI. Okay. And I was like, okay. Was like, okay. She was like, you'll probably be in the next few days. And I had my bike helmet with me because I'd cycled there. And she was like, did you ride your bike? And I was like, yeah. She was like, don't, don't ride at home. Don't ride at home. And I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like, well, how am I going to get the bike don't home? Don't have time. Yeah. Don't have time to walk. <laughs> cycled home. Uh, got home, my amazing partner had made me dinner, like had dinner, called my mum, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on, this is a bit scary. Got off the phone to my mum and then got a phone call from the doctor, like, hi, you need to go right now. Ah. And I was like, oh shit. So I had to call my sister's boyfriend to give me a lift. Because obviously, I didn't have a car at the time, no, I sold my car last year before that. And so he gave me a lift up there. And... Yeah, then I was in hospital for four days, had um, an MRI, had a CT scan. The CT scan came back with nothing. And I was like, oh, this is all going to be like a load of fuss about nothing. Like really embarrassed, like phoned work, like, sorry, I'm not going to be in. And they were like, obviously you're in hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. But at the time you just feel really bad about it, don't you? Yeah. Um, And yeah, like my my partner was there until like, until I went for the CT scan. And then they were like, I think they realised he was there. They hadn't noticed. And they're like, oh, you're not actually allowed to be here because still COVID. Oh, right. To be in the hospital. Course, yeah. So I was like, what? T-? Like, I've, he's been here for like the night and now it's like three in the morning when I was going. And they were like, he's got to go. And so he had to, I remember him like walking off and oh. I was like being wheeled away. I was like, it's so savage. Yeah. But the room, it was so nice because I work in a school and they'd be like, have you been around COVID? I was like, well, yeah, you know. 
lots of people have COVID in schools. So I got my own room with an ensuite and I was like having a rest. I mean, I didn't really sleep because I was so nervous. Yeah. Uh, now I look back, it was like a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> um, Four days off. But at the time, <laughs> yeah, did not feel like that. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, they, they eventually, the neurologist came to see me and explained my MRI results. And it was definitely MS, quite active. There's, I think I had three lesions in my spinal cord. And he was just like, yeah, you're amazing. You're so strong. So it's quite weird when you hear about that because your brain just feels like your brain, doesn't it? It feels yeah. okay. <laughs> Especially when you're alone at the hospital as well. Mm. I was lucky on the last day when I had the diagnosis, my mum drove down from London and was with me. Mm-hmm. Although they wouldn't let her in for a while and she was like sat outside. So it had to be in the hours. And I was like moved onto this ward. I was basically in a cupboard because they'd moved me off the emergency ward once I'd had the MRI. And I was in this, I think it was like cardiovascular. There was lots of old people there. And I was basically in a cupboard and I pressed the bell at one point to, I think, oh yeah, I had a thing in my hand what yeah. called a cannula. Yeah. And I wanted them to take it out because I wasn't having any drugs or anything. And I pressed the bell and it was like ringing for 40 minutes. I was obviously not on anyone's list of like, <laughs> check on her. Because they were like, she's okay, she's, she'll be going home soon. So it was just, yeah, really, my mum was just like, not very happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just there, like, so fed up. Um, and then when I came home, so they prescribed me with steroids to bring down the activity yeah. that was going on then. Um, but obviously they weaken your immune system. Uh, quite a lot so I caught COVID from the hospital oh no Um, I know which was just like when you've just had that diagnosis I just needed to like get out and see my friends yeah be like I'm still me but I had to just stay inside yeah and that was really hard like not see anybody obviously had my partner yeah um, so a lot of people you know went through being isolating alone over the last few years so really lucky there but it was tough and also it was just before Christmas oh (laughs) yeah but I got out it was like Christmas Eve that was the end of isolation time so that was also another great thing (laughs) yeah so what's the next step like what happens after you're in the hospital and they diagnose you with MS is there a sense of like moving forward this will be your neurologist or do you have to like go and find one yourself or or how did how does that whole process work they didn't say anything when I was in the hospital just gave me a like ton of leaflets okay like (laughs) that is I just gave them to my mum yeah that's over you read them and just tell me what I need to know yeah Um, and like recommended the shift ms website and Mm -hmm. the ms trust and stuff so obviously I had 10 days to, to to go down a few rabbit holes there which probably wasn't the best idea Mm. so I um read a lot online yeah my partner like he was like just just stop you need to just stop looking on the internet actually before the ms i was doing that a lot because of the weird symptoms and i was googling things yeah and he was getting like you just just need to stop and i I had actually joked at one point like i think it's ms and um he was like you don't be ridiculous like yeah i remember that yeah so googling does work sometimes (laughs) (laughs) but don't do it So yeah, then I had a letter over Christmas time and basically to come and meet my neurologist. Okay. So they kind of assigned me one. Mm-hmm. 
So in January, I met my neurologist and he is absolutely amazing. He's just, yeah, I'm so lucky. I think Bristol actually is quite a hub in the UK for MS research. So there's a lot going on there. They've got the brain center, which is for everything like MS, Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. like, and they've just got the most amazing team. So I met with him and he spoke to me for like two hours. Wow. Just answered all of my questions, told me loads of stuff, did loads of checks again on my like coordination and asked me every question about things that were going on in my life. And yeah, normally when you see a GP, it's, you know, 10 minutes and you're out. Yeah. And it was quite amazing. Did they then offer any sort of treatment plan? Yeah, so he kind of gave me another massive booklet yeah. of all of the treatments. There's so many, isn't there? Yeah. I think. 14 different MS treatments. Unfortunately, not in New Zealand. We don't is there have not? as oh, many no. as you guys. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> but loads of them are probably not the best ones. So hopefully you've got the best ones. Yeah. And he kind of, he can't really, they can't recommend, can they? They can't say what they think is the best. Yeah. But he sort of said, you do have very active MS and it's like progressing quite rapidly. So I'd recommend one of the more effective treatments and a big consideration for me was you know I don't have any children and I'd like to have children in the future and there's quite a lot of the treatments that can have an impact on that um, or are not recommended with that so I chose Tysabri in the end. And how's that been going? Good yeah like I go monthly I have injections now because it used to be infusions but they Mm -hmm. can just do it as an injection now. It's lovely like the MS nurses are amazing as well and it's like a yeah it's a little community and you kind of can have a chat I have to stay for an hour after I have my injection because I think you have to stay for the first six yeah so take a book or just have a little catch up and it's quite good to be like oh can you just like nudge my neurologist with this because yeah they get so busy so the nurses can pass things on and yeah yeah last time I went actually I met a really nice girl called I can't remember her name that's MS um and she also got diagnosed in her first year teaching yes wow and she had the same one of the same symptoms as me which is like a icy leg mm-hmm. where your leg feels like it's made of ice and we're like that's so weird and it was just really nice to meet someone yeah with the same weird thing and same experience but she's on a six weekly plan and I'm on a four weekly so we've never crossed part well I don't know, probably mathematically work out when we might cross paths again, but... Yeah. How have you been finding getting the Tysabri? Do you have experienced any sort of post-injection symptoms or anything like that? Yeah, I get really, really tired. Mm-hmm. So the first time I had it, I was just knocked out for about five days. I couldn't do anything. I mean, I went to a Pilates class on the third day or something and came home and cried because I was yeah. just like that was so hard it felt like I'd just done a full-on workout and normally it's really relaxing so yeah but now it it tends to just be the day after yeah so it's just one day and then after that one day I feel incredible I feel like me before (laughs) MS yeah for like three or four days and it's amazing and it's worth it (laughs) yeah and then I don't know why that is because they're like it doesn't actually it's not it doesn't stop the MS it just stops anything more happening yeah but I was talking to, I think my mum, and I was like, um, maybe it's because my brain, because 
I don't know. My brain's just not having to work as hard. There's less fatigue in there because yeah, it's doing the thing it's supposed to be doing. It's protecting it. And yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like that when I was on Tai Sabri as well. I was like, I'm a superwoman. Mm. Oh, I'm getting cool. my superhuman yeah. juice right now. Like, I'm gonna feel so good yeah. soon. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So you've been on Tai Sabri, but you, have you stopped Tai Sabri now? Yeah, I was or on Tai Sabri for, I think. It was either nearly five years or just over five years. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm on mm. another drug called Ocrelizumab. So it's an infusion oh, yeah. every six months. That must be quite nice that you don't have to go as regularly, like fits a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So being diagnosed with MS and because your diagnosis is quite recent in the last six months or so. Yeah. What has the impact of this diagnosis been on your lifestyle? And I think... A lot of the people that I interview for That's So Chronic have had their diagnosis years ago and they've had quite a lot of time to work through all the ups and downs and the roller coaster that that may be. And I think it is quite a unique perspective that you're able to offer because almost you kind of are still there adjusting yeah. and processing what this diagnosis means to you. Have you had to make any lifestyle adjustments or did it force you to make any lifestyle adjustments? That's such a good question. Um, yeah, being in it, I, I can't wait till I'm in that other side of it because it's pretty bleak, to be honest. I So I'm not allowed to drive because of my symptoms because yeah. I kind of lose coordination on the left side of my body. So that is such a massive thing. I mean, I didn't have a car at the time of being diagnosed, but... I definitely would have by now, like me and Matt love hiking and camping. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's really difficult. I feel like I've, Bristol's quite a big place as well. My friends are all spread out. So I've lost a few friends because of it. Yeah. Not, I don't know whether it's the MS or the, or the driving because a lot of them don't drive and I used to drive to see them yeah. and kind of like a few of them weren't really there during the diagnosis as well and it makes you reevaluate a little bit doesn't yeah. it um so that's tough but it's also shown me some other people who I maybe didn't consider as amazing friends yeah that just like jumped to be there and to to bring things round and help me when I needed it and so I've recently decided that next year I'm not going to be a teacher so okay. I'm going to stay in my same school but I'm going to be a teaching assistant Amazing. And I kind of battle with that because, you know, my, my nan's the head teacher and my sister's a teacher and my dad's a teacher and I feel a little bit like I'm failing. But, and I've, you know, spent so much money in training to become a teacher and have days where I'm fine yeah. and I could do it. But I just need that time to kind of work out who I am again, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and I think you definitely deserve to not have to do 60-hour weeks just <laughs> yeah. at the moment. I give you the permission to do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> needed that. Yeah. Yeah. So being a t you know, I'll leave at four o'clock. Yeah. I'm not going to have any planning to do on a Sunday. What about the marking? Will you still have to mark things? No. I mean, if <gasps> I work, I'll work with probably a group of five or six children and I'll mark their okay. books, but... I could probably do that in school time because I'm not the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, um, it's, yeah, seriously, everything really that defined me before diagnosis has 
changed a bit. I used to yeah. be really like into going to the gym as well. And that's just, I know it's so important for MS, but working 60 hours, I'm working or sleeping or eating yeah. or holding on to those friendships that I still have. Yeah. Just the gym's just fallen off and it's so hard to pick it back up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But hopefully having that time next year will, yeah, will let me do that and go swimming and work out what, what movement's right for MS mm-hmm. and yeah. Are you still riding your bike? Yeah. So because I can't <laughs> drive, I mean, yeah. he hasn't said don't ride a bike, but yeah. um, <laughs> won't tell him. Yeah. So I ride my bike to school uh, every day. I was tempted to go on one of those electric scooters, but I know so many people have fallen off them and yeah. I'm a bit scared. So yeah, <laughs> don't think that's a good idea. What is something that MS has shown you is really important in your life that you might not have considered being that important before your diagnosis? Well, I think in a way this, the, the career change, although yeah, I battle with those feelings of failure and stuff, it, Actually, if I could have carried on for five, six years working these long weeks and that could have had a really detrimental effect on my relationship. It could have done something different to my health and it wasn't sustainable. And in a way, it's kind of a blessing that this early on, Mm -hmm. I've had this diagnosis, which is, you know, you can't deny it. I have to listen and I have to do what's right. And no one, you know, my the head teacher at my school is just so supportive and whereas if it was just that oh I've decided it's a bit too stressful for me I'm gonna step back yeah I might not have had the same reaction which is is a good thing yeah for me but also if anyone else is feeling like it is just too stressful that is fine too yeah (laughs) just (laughs) it shows that kind of expectation that we put on teachers as a society Mm. doesn't it Mm. What has been your support network throughout this diagnosis? So my mum has been obviously so amazing. I didn't like really grow up with my mum. So it's been really nice to spend time together. And I think she's really enjoyed having that being there for me, like when yeah. she couldn't be there for me when I was younger. And I think it's it's just our relationships yeah better than it's ever been um mm-hmm. and Matt as well I think like you know he he's not the most emotional guy but he has you know he's said how you know it's definitely it's just made our relationship stronger yeah. and it could have gone one or two ways really because it's a big change I used to like smoke the odd cigarette and have the odd drink and stuff and now that just can't happen anymore and yeah. that was quite a nice thing if we'd get you know we'd go out together and have a few drinks but he's he's just had to accept that and he's done done that so well and not made me feel bad about it at all yeah and he just does so much around the house that I just can't I'm so grateful for him yeah he is amazing yeah and my sister she's she's just been yeah been there for me the whole time and amazing she's really rubbish with her phone like notoriously <laughs> everyone in my family knows just she won't answer but actually she answers to me now all the time okay I think she's scared because I obviously rang her the day when I needed a lift to the hospital and now she's like picks up the phone and the second ring yeah sorry everyone else <laughs> <laughs> wow if you could go back in time and say something to Rosie who I guess is waiting for a diagnosis or for something to happen on those four days in hospital 
or has just received the diagnosis and has been given all these pamphlets and leaflets. <laughs> if you could go back to that time and say something to yourself, knowing what you know now, what do you think you would say? It's not a brain tumour. Because yeah. I really thought that yeah. deep down in my soul. I didn't voice it. But there was part of me. And I didn't even Google that because I knew yeah. if I Googled that, I'm going to go to a really dark place. But there was a bit of my soul that thought I had a brain tumour. And that was just the most terrifying thing. But also, if I could go back a little bit further, I was prescribed vitamin D because uh, I had a deficiency in like... 2019 or something yeah just take the vitamin d because i took one course and then i stopped and that is such a precursor to ms i wish i'd known about and celiac disease so if i'd known that you're more likely to have other autoimmune diseases if you have one i would have maybe listened a little bit more yeah (laughs) oh i probably wouldn't because 2019 me really care (laughs) hindsight has 2020 vision yeah (laughs) (laughs) how does life look for you at the moment what would your symptoms be of the ms and how does celiac disease and ms fit together in your life the celiac disease to be honest i don't even really think about yeah i just eat gluten-free food and it it doesn't really bother me it's it is interesting how like the brain and the gut are like linked though by Mm -hmm. your vagus nerve maybe but there's definitely something in that that I um like how I manage stress yeah <laughs> and things um I need to work on day to day though I just do a lot less but then I am nearly 30 so <laughs> I think that just happens um <laughs> I used to do like five or six different things a day and now it's like I choose one yeah I pick my one thing and I I'll do that so today me and my sister my friends are gonna go we're gonna go to a day rave we haven't done that since we were about 25 <sighs> Um, Amazing. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go. It's just going to be hilarious. I love that. Won't, we won't know any of the music, but um, so that's my thing today. Cool. And I'll probably have to leave early because I don't drink as well. It's like, yeah, that keeps you going a bit, doesn't it? Maybe I'll have a coffee at, at midday or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I'm just trying to work it out. I don't really know what it looks like, yeah. to be honest. That's why you know the summer holidays and this job change I'm just gonna have time to just explore what kind of movement is right is it yoga is it swimming is it getting back to the gym and doing weightlifting again is that actually okay to for me is yeah I'm not quite sure in all honesty well I'm excited for you to work it out and to find what feels really good for you in the UK and where you're based, are you able to check in with the neurologist regularly? What does the sort of checkups look like for you? I've had a couple. Um, so I had that one in January and then I had one, I think, not long ago mm-hmm. where I, you know, I said I was having these residual symptoms and yeah. stuff. And then I went for another MRI after that because he was like, what a see if it's any new activity and I haven't heard back that was about a month ago and I haven't heard back what what they found on the MRI and stuff so it's quite it is quite slow you know you can't because I work as well or they they're only open from nine till five and find it so hard to phone and you can't really get through it would be great if there was an email address yeah (laughs) 
I've said this to my neurologist, like you don't have to look at it all the time, but if you had an email address and I could just send you things sometimes, it'd be so helpful. Yeah. It's slow, but we are so lucky. The NHS is so great. And I, you know, I had two hours with him in January. And yeah. I think the one that I had, whenever it was not long ago, a couple of months ago, was about an hour. Yeah. And he's always running behind because he always spends time with each of his patients and listens to them. So the people are amazing, but the system is a little bit broken. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the thing about the NHS. Is it similar in New Zealand? Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story with Thank me you. and with everybody listening today, especially so soon after a diagnosis as well. I guess I do have one final question and it might be putting you on the spot a little bit. Okay. But I also love reading and I'm always looking for book recommendations. Are you reading anything currently that you recommend or do you have like a favorite book? Which, hard question. Oh, I know. That is so hard. My favorite book is probably, oh, it changes every day, to be honest. If you ask me on a different day, it'll be different. The Wall by John John Lancaster, I think it is. Okay. And it's about like it's about like if there was a wall around the UK, uh, which essentially there is. Um, but yeah. if there was a physical wall and people guard wow. it and it's yeah, it's kind of I like post apocalyptic kind of books. Okay. I've just finished It Ends With Us, which is <gasps> I just read that one. And it was at the beginning, I was like, this is really cheesy and cringy and all yeah. about love. And then it got quite dark at, at the end and thought provoking. Yeah. And it was the author's, so this is, it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. Mm. And it was her author's note at the end. Like right. Oh, I didn't read that. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna go go back back and read read that. I just was like, oh, I read the book. (laughs) No, you should read her author's note because I mean, I won't spoil it, but it's all based on a true, like thing. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm gonna read that. Yeah. Okay. That's so. (laughs) When I leave the party early, I'll go read the book. (laughs) I was gonna say you got three things to do today. You're done the (laughs) podcast. You're gonna go to the party, and then you'll read the author's note. Brilliant. Yeah. Far too much for MS. I will feel awful tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. It's been so nice to talk to you. And I kind of forgot we were on a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone else out there too. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. I am so grateful that Rosie decided to share her story with me and with all of you listening at home today. If you've also been diagnosed with a chronic illness, you will know just how full on those months after can be. And I really respect Rosie for wanting to share her story in the here and now. Of course, though, none of what we do here at That's So Chronic would be possible without your support. So thank you for listening, sharing, following and leaving ratings and reviews. It doesn't go unnoticed and you're really helping That's So Chronic reach more ears around the world to spread awareness and hope. As always, feel free to reach out over on Instagram or TikTok. I'm at That's So Chronic and I'll see you next time.